everyone. Welcome to the Parenting Balance Podcast. My name is Kelly Williams. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an ADHD parenting expert by experience. I'm here with my partner. Hi, I'm Teresa Van Pelt. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. And for the past 10 years, Kelly and I have had a family practice in Florida. This podcast is for parents who want to understand what's really going on with ADHD so you can ditch the chaos and feel confident and happy again. Hi, guys. Um, Thanks for joining us. Um, We're going to just jump right into what I think a lot of people really want to know when your child is first diagnosed with ADHD. So my question to you, Kelly, is what is the first thing parents must know when they find out their child's diagnosed with ADHD? Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, the name ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a misnomer. It's so misleading because this is not a brain that has a deficit of attention. It's actually a brain that's paying too much attention to too many things. So I think that the first thing that parents really need to know about this diagnosis is that it's actually a neurological difference. It's a brain that is different. And the difference isn't a deficit of attention. It's actually too much attention. Well, and something that I think about often, um, because a lot of parents do research before they come see us. And I think that that's really good. However, um, the stuff that most people see when they look at... um, ADHD diagnostic criteria is not really necessarily the most helpful thing, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. You know, um, the scientists, the researchers, they understand that the most uh, impairing symptoms, so I want to think of a word that's better than impairing. Most difficult? Yeah, the the one symptom that That stands out. It seems to cause the most problems for most people. Um, is not listed in our current diagnostic criteria. I completely agree. Yeah, and so this can really be confusing. So when you combine this idea that the name doesn't make any sense (laughs) and then the most impairing symptom is in... Which I I think you should probably say because a lot of times when I bring that up, because that is one of the like red flags that I have um, when I'm going through um, an interview with someone, um, this is the probably one of the biggest things that I listen for. And then I start digging deeper. So what is that? So the most impairing symptom of ADHD is what we call emotion dysregulation. And uh, what that means is these really, really strong emotions, these big reactions to things. Tantrums, tears. Stronger than they should be. Absolutely. But here's the thing about ADHD, and here's why it's really confusing. Because these big reactions that we can see on the outside, they absolutely, uh, when we're thinking criteria-wise, fit for other things. Exactly. And people are misdiagnosed often, I feel. Oh, yeah. And I was actually uh, guilty of that for a long time until I learned um, about the latest research. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it is true that in the last five years, we have learned more from the advances in technology about what's really going on in a brain that has ADHD than we have known in the whole 200 years, and it has 
been 200 years that ADHD has been documented and researched in medical texts, okay? So it's it's the the condition, I think it's the one condition that's actually been researched the most and the longest in children. And in the last five years, we've learned more about it than ever before. You know, something else that is another red flag for me is if this is more with, you know, young adults or adults, not so much kids, but if someone or if a parent feels that this is their diagnosis, if someone comes in and says, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. that's another red flag for me that I dig deeper because it's, it can look like ADHD, but it's very different. There's definitely telltale signs that, that set them apart. Well, in fact, um, what ADHD neurology is, is it's not a, not a deficit of attention, um, but it is a deficit of regulation. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, regulation covers a lot of areas of behavior. It's not just emotional, but emotions are the, are, that's the area that we can, that we tend to see. Right. Yeah, the teachers calling home, meltdowns over homework. Mm-hmm. Those these intense are the, fears. Indeed, those are the external symptoms, which are much more much easier to to diagnose because we can see them on the outside. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to understand that um, a deficit of regulation doesn't discriminate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like to say it that way. So it goes both ways. Uh, so there can be internal symptoms that happen. So, for example, the opposite of having a big tantrum or a meltdown about something would be completely shutting down, mm-hmm. totally withdrawing. And so you're saying that the external, what someone can see, the behavior of emotional dysregulation could be tantrums, tearfulness, you know, zero to 60 in two seconds. And the opposite of that is true. And that's more of an internal mm-hmm thing that's happening and that's kind of completely shutting down. So what would that look like on the outside? Well, I like to call it paralysis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents, um, most of the time in the practice when children are younger, they come to me because of the external symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're creating too much chaos, having too many meltdowns. There's just too much going on. You can't get things under control. Uh, the internal symptoms, those tend to go unnoticed until about middle school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know what's happening here. There never was a problem before. But when we do the history and we kind of look back, we can see that um, the sort of shutting down, the paralysis, the, you know, just giving up or not pushing through something or not dealing with something, Um has been going on for a long time. Um, It's just that in middle school, right, when uh, kids are supposed to be more self-motivated, they have more, you know, the expectations are higher in school and what they are capable of doing for themselves, that's when we begin to discover, oh my gosh, they're not... They're not doing this. Well, and that's something that I want to point out or or say and see what your your thoughts are on this. I hear a lot of parents say, I have a child that developed ADHD, Mm -hmm. or a lot of times people say ADD because Mm -hmm. that used to be the name. That used to be the name, and now it's ADHD, and there's different types. But um, they say they developed it Mm -hmm. in sixth grade, and that's Mm -hmm. not 
exactly true. They started seeing the symptoms and they started noticing it uh-huh. yeah. in sixth grade. Yeah, and this goes to the current research, right? Mm-hmm. We now understand that this is a neurological difference. And what that means is that the brain is different. You are born with the brain you have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. We don't like, it didn't all of a sudden change. It's always been there. Um, and this is something that can be really, really challenging for parents to understand and accept there tends to be a lot of guilt around like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Right. I didn't see it happening. Oh, I've, I've not done what I should have done, you know, but you know, like it I is always what it is. tell parents, yeah, you don't know what you don't know, right? You, I mean, we just don't know. So, um, but understanding that it is a neurological difference, this uh, neurology is biologically based. It is almost as heritable as height. When you talk about neurological differences and brain differences, are you referring to the actual structure of the brain or are you talking about the chemicals, development? What are you referring to? Well, it's pretty complicated, actually. Um, but in the case of ADHD, it all of those things are different. Mm-hmm. There are chemical differences. There are structural differences. There are developmental differences. So... Um, in the rate of growth, there's a difference from, I call it a non-neurotypical brain, because of course I try not to use the term ADHD since it doesn't make any sense. Um, so in a non-neurotypical brain, there is a different rate of development of the brain. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I want to say this, that from the anthropological perspective, it makes uh, there's a good reason why we might have humans with two different kinds of brains. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go back in time and think hunters and gatherers, uh, the hunters were the people that needed to have kind of this heightened sensory system. They needed to be able to run really fast and hear really well. And they were the protectors of the tribe. They were the people that were more responsive than neurotypical-brained people and were the protectors. And so uh, the trouble is that in today's world, that heightened sensory system is an obstacle. So when we see these really, really big reactions in our kids that have this neurology, it is kind of related to that that's what their brain was designed to do, you know? And that makes sense, looking at it that way. Um, But since obviously we're not running from dinosaurs now and hunting for food, (laughs) what can people do to simplify things if they have a brain, um, a non-neurotypical brain? Yeah, that's real reactive like that. Exactly. Well, look, the science is clear. The very first thing, um, or the, the most important thing, I think, if you have a child with this diagnosis, is to learn as much as you can about the neurology, about what is different and why the behaviors that we see on the outside or even the things that we don't see, right? Because some things might be missing mm-hmm. uh, that we want to see, why that's happening. So um, that's uh, called parent coaching. That's what uh, we do in our therapy practice. And that's why we're creating this podcast here. Yeah. I know. It's exciting. It is very exciting. So... Um, 
so we wanted these first couple of episodes to sort of mirror the parenting boot camp, the ADHD parenting boot camp we did about a month ago. To give parents the basics, what they need to know to understand why their child's brain is different. And with that understanding, then all of the... What they can do. What right they now. can do yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because need- you want to know the why instead of just... The what, what to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it helps. I think mm-hmm. I think it helps because a lot of times the behaviors that we're dealing with seem willful. Right. They they We personalize them. Oh, I know I do. Boy, do they piss you off. Yes, you know? Exactly. <laughs> right. And when you understand it kinda helps you detach a little bit and take there, a step back. Oh yeah. I look, there's just no other way, right? Especially when you're empowered to have the knowledge and you know that you're going to be given the skills. You're going to learn what to do yeah, to change it. Well, and the other thing is that it takes longer than average to see change, right. okay? When we are teaching our kids and trying to direct their behavior to be a certain way uh, for non-neurotypical brained kids, it takes longer. And we have to... Even though it seems like nothing's happening, we have to persist. Right. And I think that there's, uh, for hope, I think it's important to to point out that there's research that supports that if you catch it early enough, um, there can, you, I'm trying to describe neuro. Plasticity. Oh, plasticity. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's the best. (laughs) I was trying not to use the word, but just describe (laughs) it, and I'm struggling. Yes, yes. There are skills. Okay, so what Teresa's trying to say is that there is absolutely a model, there is a formula for how to parent in a way that will help your child to build the skills that they eventually need to become successful adults. And in every single kid I've ever worked with, it looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no doubt that there is a way to go about it. And we're going to, um, as we do this, these episodes, this very first season, if you will, of our podcast is going to be all about laying the foundation um, for that for that model, right? really excited. I'm excited um, to share the this information. information. I know. It's really great. And um, we dis- we want to make it easy for people to consume. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're learning how to make podcasts here, <laughs> <laughs> which is bizarre, <laughs> frankly. Very. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> so let's give our listeners um, one actionable tip for today. I'd like to do that on every single episode. Mm-hmm. I'd like to leave you with one thing that you can do, you can put into play right now. And um, for today, it's going to be to remember to think about that this neurology is a is not a deficit of attention it's actually a brain that is paying too much attention to too many things at the same time Uh, this brain does not prioritize sensory information well so what that means is that our kids don't know uh, easily what the most important things are to do first, second, and third. 
in their brain, the information all comes in and it all has a level one priority. And then they are frozen, that paralysis that I talked overwhelming. about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So overwhelm, that's like mm-hmm. the number one emotion of right. everybody. Um, they become frozen in like, they know what they need to be doing, but it feels like too many things at the same time. Okay. So this is going to help you set it up for your child so it's not so overwhelming. Right. So what we want to do is, um, I guess the actionable tip is to sort of pay attention to what's going on in your house and try to notice if the trouble spots are occurring, you know, in a place where there's too many things happening at the same time. Does that make sense? Maybe around the time where everyone comes home or making dinner or specific times getting dressed in the morning or oh, getting yeah. ready in the morning. Yeah, like for that's a great example, like mm-hmm. getting ready for school, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in we're all under quarantine right now and nobody has to get ready for school, which has been like <laughs> kind of nice. Really wonderful. Yeah. That part of it. Our house, yes. <laughs> uh, it's not but, all roses. <laughs> right, but let's use it as an example, you know, when I say to my daughter, it's time to get ready for school, right? I have to think about like, what does that mean? What do, you know, because then I go in there and she's like twirling around and has one sock on and, you know, and she's twirling around and talking to me about how she can't find her hairbrush. And I'm saying, come on, come on, we have to go, right? We have to go. So getting ready for school involves... Many yeah. steps. Yeah, yeah. So so breaking out the steps, right? So for her, I write it on a list. And it says, number one, get out of bed. Number two, get dressed. I like how you prioritize the order, too. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, she would, you know, get up and then have to figure out how to. Right. I don't know. And doing things in order, you know, right? That's like an efficiency thing. Mm-hmm. A routine yeah, and um, the and again, like like I said, the a non neurotypical brain does not prioritize information well. So to expect that she would be able to figure out the most efficient order is is unreasonable, right? But that doesn't mean that she's not intelligent. It, it's it's oh, more no. that there's too much stimulation. Yeah, yeah, there's too much going on. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, this neurology is actually correlated with above average intelligence. Okay, um, but the executive function skills that are um, sort of the conductor of our intellect tend to be weak. So while intellect can be above average the demonstration of the intellect tends to be behind, you know? And this is where um, understanding what are exactly the specific things that we need to be helping our kids do is so important. And pointing out from a kid's perspective, because I have the ability to look through things through kid glasses. And um, as a kid who was untreated for ADHD growing up, I felt like I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I couldn't get it. And I didn't understand that I needed these Yeah, yeah, that it guides. wasn't, it's not that you aren't smart. Mm-hmm. It's that you need to coordinate your smartness. Yeah. You just need help coordinating your smartness. But I think that's important for kids to understand, but also parents to understand, because I think it's confusing. Like, my child's brilliant, they're really smart. 
Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And look at when kids don't this that that's the point of this whole project, right? Because it is so important for parents to understand how to help their kids feel capable so that they grow up to become capable adults. And for the parents to feel like they know what to do yeah. and that they're good parents. Yeah. And check this out, you guys. It's not hard. It's like these are easy things. They aren't. It's right. They're mm-hmm. easy things. They are different things. It requires learning. It does require doing things differently. But it's absolutely possible to help your brilliant, creative, wonderful kid to grow up to fulfill their full human potential in spite of having this neurological difference. And because it's different, that's why we need to do lots of different podcasts to lots of different ways to explain it in little teeny parts because eventually they'll all come together and it will make sense. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's our first um, season will be kind of these foundation trainings where we talk about what's different and what to do about it. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to cover the chemical differences, I think. I'll talk about neurotransmitters and all that kind of thing. But for today, what I want you to put in your pocket is this is a brain that um, has a deficit of regulation. And regulation means that it, it doesn't prioritize information well and that we need to take the big things and make them smaller in order to help our kids to be able to think through what they need to do. All right. Yeah. And I wanted to say, so I'm really excited for you to join us next time so that you can hear, um, you're going to actually understand more why kids don't sound motivated. Yeah. And so that's that's basically what, what you're going to tune into if that's what you want to hear. Why they don't want to do what Why they don't want to do what we want them to do. Uh-huh. About the internal motivation. <laughs> so you're going to want to tune in and, and listen to that. I'm excited to for you guys to join us next time. If getting the kids up and out the door on time in the morning seems more difficult than it should be, then I have something that can help. Jump on over to parentingbalance.com slash guide to download your free guide to mastering morning madness. That's parentingbalance.com slash guide. So you can ditch the morning chaos for good. Thank you so much for listening to the Parenting Balance podcast. And until next time, remember, different isn't wrong. Mm -hmm.